10.55pm. On the plus side, my nungas don't seem any more sticky out than they are normally. Perhaps they've stopped growing. Or maybe they're on Christmas vacation, before they burst, quite literally, into life in spring. 11pm. I'll just give them a quick measure. 11.05pm. Sacre bloody blur, and also mon dieu, they measure 38 inches, that's more than a yard. There must be something wrong with the tape measure. 11.10pm. I've done it again, it's still the same. It amazes me that I can lumber around at all, it's like carrying two small people around with me. I'm really worried now. I wish there was someone I could talk to about this sort of thing. I know there is an unseen power at work of which we have little comprehension, but I don't really feel I can consult with Jesus about my bazoomers. Or Buddha. Anyway, I don't want to offend Buddha and so on, just in case he exists, which I'm sure he does. But I have seen some statues of Buddha, and frankly, his nunga-nungas are not small either. Midnight. When I was in M&S the other Saturday, I saw a sign that said they had a breast measuring service. Top job, not. Maybe I should get properly measured by a bazooma professional and learn the truth about my condition. 1am. Angus is on the road to recovery. I can hear him serenading the Pratt Poodles with a medley of his latest hits, Yowl and Yowl 2, the remix. I got up to look. He is so brave in the face of his pain. I really love him, even if he has destroyed half my tights. He could have just given in, but no, there he was, biffing the Pratt brothers like normal. Naomi was parading up and down on the next door's windowsill, sticking her bottom in the air and so on. She is an awful minx. She's making a mockery of a sham of her so-called love for Angus. It's like in that old crap song where the bloke is wounded in the Vietnam War and his wife goes off with other men because he can't get out of his wheelchair. He sings, Ruby, don't take your love to town. That is what Angus would sing. Naomi, don't take your love to town. If he could sing or speak and had a wheelchair. School panto fiasco, also known as complete twats in tights. Tuesday, November 23rd, breakfast. Dad was singing, sex bomb, sex bomb, I'm a sex bomb, and doing hip thrusts around the kitchen. He'll end up in casualty again if he's not careful. He's being all interested in me as well. Red alert, red alert. He gave me a hug and said, I thought we'd all go to the cinema tonight. My treat. I said, fantastic. He thought I meant it and went off happily to flood people's homes or whatever it is he does at the waterboard. I said to Mum, who was trying to get all the porridge out of Libby's hair before she went off to kindergarten, Mum, I can't go to the cinema tonight. I've got to stay behind and help with the school panto. She didn't even look up. I didn't know you were in it. I'm not. I'm just um, helping backstage. Bye, Mutti. Bye, Bibbit. Bye-bye, Gingy. Kiss Mr Cheese. Bye-bye. It was disgusting kissing Mr Cheese. Mr Cheese is a bit of old Edam in a hat. Not as disgusting as it will be at the end of the day when Libby brings him home again from play school. With a bit of luck, Mr Cheese will have been eaten by one of Libby's little pals. I had a look at my pocket mirror as I walked round to Jazz's place. Eight out of ten on the hair bounceability front. I am so excited. I love the sex god and it will be beyond fabulosity and into the Valley of Marv when we go on tour to America. 
I think I could easily write song lyrics myself. I said that to Jazz as we walked to school. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. This one is called Sex God, and it goes like this. Oh, Robbie, you're the one for me with your dark blue eyes and your... I had a bit of a writer's block then, and I said to Jazz, What rhymes with me? What about two-timer or crap mate? Jazz, don't start again. Oh, hang on, I know. You're the one for me with your dark blue eyes and your snogability. I'm clearly a genius. I put my arm round Jazz in my happinosity and said, You can show me your love bite when we get to Stalag 14. She went a bit red and said, OK, but don't tell anyone else about it. Which is ironic, coming from Radio Jazz. Assembly. Slim, really on tip-top, boring form this morning. She borders beyond the Valley of the Dim and into the twilight world of the elderly mad. Speaking of which, we saw Elvis Atwood tapping at pipes with his hammer as we went out. I said to him, I think you should receive a knighthood, Mr Atwood, for your services to caretaking. Surely you, of all people, deserve to be hit over the shoulders with an old sword. 10am. What is it with this place? Rosie and I have got bad conduct marks and have to stay behind and help with Peter Patton every night this week after school. I cannot believe it. Just because we have naturally high spirits and joie de vivre and also got caught doing our let's go down the disco dance to there is a green hill far away in assembly. It is so obviously hilarious and not at all indicative of stupendous childishness, as Hawkeye said. 10.30am. Perhaps I am spawn of the devil in a skirt and have the third eye. No, I mean the second what's it, sight. Because I told Mum that I was staying behind to help with Peter Pan, even though I wasn't, and now I am. I may have special powers. 11am. No, I haven't got special powers. I tried for about a million years to make the wall clock fall onto Hawkeye's head. It just gave me a very bad headache. In the lose, I said to Jazz, for once in the entire existence of humankind, my hair has got bounceability in what's it, and I am on detention. She said, well, you shouldn't be so silly. What is silly about disco dancing? She wanted to show me her love bite, but I couldn't summon up any interest. R.E. Miss Wilson has written on the board. Relationships, what are the ingredients? Good Lord, she would be the last to know. And also, I don't think I have ever seen anyone over the age of six months wearing a pink smock, apart from her. Has she really not got one single mate who would have said to her, put the smock in the bin and we will never mention it again? I wonder if I should make Naomi a little pregnancy smock in the spirit of Christmas. Rosie's made some dreadlocks for her pencil and stuck them onto the end of it. She wrote me a note. As a Rastafarian... He has strong views on religious freedom. I wrote back, It's a pencil, you fool. And she wrote, That is what makes it even more remarkable. But we are only trying to cheer ourselves up because of the Peter Pan fiasco. What am I going to do about the sex god? He's supposed to meet me after school. I wrote to Jazz, If I tell SG I have been given detention duties, helping complete twats into tights, he will think I'm a silly little schoolgirl. She wrote back, you are a silly little schoolgirl. Cheers. Thanks a lot. Good night. Last bell, 3.50pm. 
I ran down the corridor to the cloakrooms and threw myself in front of the mirror. This was my plan. Emergency makeup, dash to the school gates, quick snog, explain to Robbie about my unfair incarceration by the Nazis, but not exactly mention that let's go down the disco incident in case it was construed as being a bit on the childish side. Another quick snog, possibly number four, then quick as a bunny, back to the main hall before ten past four. Pant, pant, allos, allos, mascara, lippy, lip gloss, rolly overskirt, bouncy hair, bouncy hair. Right, ready for the sex god in five minutes and thirty seconds, a new world record. When I stepped out into the corridor, I walked straight into Hawkeye, lurking like a piranha. Oh, Scheisenhausen! She loomed over me. Georgia, you are helping with the Christmas entertainment. Why does that require mascara? Remove it and go along to the main hall now. I slunk back in the loos. This called for the famous getting out through the loo window and jumping onto the backfield routine. I almost decapitated two first years getting out of the window, but I made it. I ran along the backfield and then down Fagash Alleyway, so-called because it's where the bummers hang out, that runs between the science block and... There he was, waiting for me. Sex God unleashed. He looked amazingly groovy. All the girls streaming out of the gates were eyeballing him as they went by. He said hi to Ali King and she practically evaporated on the spot. After a quick suck-in of the nostrils, I sauntered out with an attractive air of casualosity and said, Hi. Blimey, I'd managed to say something normal to him. That was a turn-up for Le Livre. He smiled his smile and said, Hi. He put his hand through my hair, feeling its incredible bounceability, probably, and leaned down and kissed me. Wow! I knew that everyone walking past us was looking, but I had my eyes closed. I did try slightly opening my eyes, but I could only see a big sort of blurry pink thing which gave me a bit of a turn until I realised it was my nose really close up. 4.15pm. Probably because I'm such a kind and caring person. Jesus has decided to take me for his sunbeam by letting me off the hook. The sex god told me that he had to go and have a conference call with some record people from Hamburger at Gogo Land, and so he couldn't see me tonight. I feel a mixture of sadnosity and relief-osity, with just a hint of peckishness. 4.30pm. Rosie and I have the ridiculously sad task of helping the cast of Peter Pan into their costumes and sorting out the props. We are in charge of the dressing room, or PE changing room as the normal might call it. We have to hang everything up in order and on different pegs, while Miss Stamp dashes about supervising. Wet Lindsay has got the leading part of Peter in Peter Pan, which I think is unfortunate casting, because she has to wear a green tunic and tights. She's got astonishingly stick-like legs. Also, for no good reason, other than I stole her boyfriend, she is taken against me. She wouldn't have me as her little helper, so Rosie has to help her into her tights and so on. Lurk. Tragic Kate is Wendy in the show, and I have to help her into her duff wig with plaits. Hours of boredom stretch ahead. Will I never be free of this hellhole? 5.10pm. The sex god will be talking to people in Hamburger or Gogo land now. 6pm. I said to Rosie, Do you and Sven talk a lot? Rosie thought. Sven talks a lot. What about? I haven't got the faintest idea. He's not, as you know, English. Reindeer, probably. Don't you mind that all you do is snog? No. 8pm. 
home again in the sanctity of my love boudoir. Mon Dieu, how boring was the rehearsal. It was almost as boring as Dad's stories about Kiwi or Go-Go land. Still, home at last and my bedroom is a Libby-free zone. I haven't listened to my dolphin CD for a bit. I think I will put it on and meditate on my inner me. 8.10pm. I don't know who it is that thinks dolphins are soothing. It's just squeak, squeaky, squeak. 8.15pm. do feel a bit sorry for them, though, because they got all these depressed people insisting on swimming with them. It might cheer up the depressed people, but I bet it depresses the arse off the dolphins. They just want to go out with their mates for a laugh. And as sooner do they start playing Chase the Cod or whatever, then all these miserable types come and hang around stroking their snouts and crying. Or am I being a bit harsh? 8.35pm. Everyone out as usual, round at Uncle Eddie's. God, it's boring being by yourself. I may be forced to do my blodge homework. 9pm. Rang Jazz. Jazz? Quoi? What are you doing? Blodge homework. Moi aussi. Are you drawing a hydra? Oui. Have you drawn its wafting tentacles yet? Non. I have. Also, I've drawn in some cheesy watsits being wafted in by its tentacles. Hydras don't eat cheesy watsits. They are pond life. That's a bit rude, Jazz. It isn't. It's a biological fact. OK, Jazz, but have you considered this? Perhaps hydras don't eat cheesy watsits because no one has had the good manners to go down to the pond and offer them around. Don't hydras deserve to be treated like human beings? 9.15pm. Oh, I'm so bored. In my Don't Sweat the Small Stuff for Teens, it says, Do something interesting and useful for others. 9.30pm. I can get 48 little plaits in my hair. 9.35pm. Makes me look like a complete twat, though. 9.40pm. Phone rang. Georgia? Yes, and three times yes, it was Robbie. The record company's done a deal with a big American company and they want the Stiff Dillons to go over there on tour and stuff. Wow! Rang Jazz and told her. What do you think I should wear to go on tour? You can never go wrong in black, can you? Your dad will never, in a million trillion years, let you go to America on tour with a band. You will see, my little pal. 10pm. I will miss my ace gang when I go off with the sex god. Mutti, Farty and Libs all came home. Libs said, Hey go, Gingy! and put her little arms up for me to lift her up. There was the usual wrestling match, trying to get her into her own bed, but no spitting, thank goodness. I will really miss her when I go on tour. 10.15pm. I went into the living room to talk to my dear old farty. I feel quite fond of him now, I won't be seeing him for much longer. He was lolling on the sofa, watching TV, twirling his beard. Dad? Hmm. Um, you know... If I had a really good life-changing experience offered to me, well, would you let me go? He said, What fool has offered to adopt you? And laughed like a bearded loon, which he is. I went on with great dignity. Yeah, very funny, Dad. Anyway, say I was invited to America. Could I go? No. Well, could I go to Paris on the school trip then? I thought you hated Edith Piaf. I do, but I am very, very much the other French people. Anyway, the long and the long of it is that I can go on the Paris trip. I gave Dad a little kiss on his cheek when he said yes, and he looked like his head was going to fall off with surprise. But I can be a very kind and caring person, especially if I am about 3,000 miles away in a different country.
midnight. But this is only one string in my mistress plan. First Paris, France, and then Paris, Texas. Howdy, hamburger go-go types. Friday, November 26th, French. We've all signed up to go on the French trip to Le Gay Paris. Apart from the bummers, hooray! A nauseating P. Green and ADM, astonishingly dim Monica. P. Green and ADM are not allowed to go because their mums are worried about the drinking water being polluted in France and also that they might lose their glasses, which I think would be a plus. Gorgi Henri was talking about the trip and sitting on his desk. I know that I'm putting my red bottom aside with a firm hand, but he's very groovy looking. When Gorgi Henri said, I will show you, how you say, my everything in Paris, I said, ooh-ah, which made Rosie laugh uncontrollably for about five minutes. 4.20pm. Forced to stay behind again to help with the Peter Pan fiasco. I think it's a crime against humanity to have to look at Wetlands's stick legs night after night. But can I explain that to lesbian of the modern world, Miss Stamp? No. She's in a fever of excitement, adjusting costumes and sending Nana the dog, also known as Pamela Green, scampering around. Pea Green is alarmingly good as a dog. I may teach her some amusing tricks. Backstage, 6pm. Backstage, rifling through the props box. Because Tinkerbell, played by Melanie Andrews, 48DD in the Bazuma department, broke her wand when Nana leaped up at her by mistake. I said to Rosie as we rummaged around trying to find another one, Do you think it's awfully wise to let Melanie Andrews loose on stage? Rosie said, No, I don't. She's not small, is she? What if her enormous bazoomers make her topple over and she kills a first former? I said, I think in our capacity of backstage staff, we should ban her on health and safety grounds. Tuesday, November 30th. The Stiff Dillons are rehearsing every night. Robbie said I should come along and listen at the weekend when they are doing their new set. I think I should take an interest in my new life. I could make some suggestions about lyrics and so on. Saturday, December 4th. Sven and the lads have organised a nature ramble tomorrow afternoon. I asked Rosie, what does that mean? Well, you know, we ramble off to the park and then we snog. I can't go, though, because I'm going to go to rehearsal with the Stiff Dillons. They have a mini-tour of Scotland and Wales just after Crimbo. Then they will be cutting their new album, Man. That is not what the album is called. That is just what pop-type people say. I rang Jazz to tell her, the Stiff Dillons are cutting a new album, man. Why is it called man? Sometimes when I talk to Jazz, I can feel the will to live ebbing away. Sunday, December 5th. Remind me never to go to a band rehearsal again. It is so boring watching other people doing stuff and talking about themselves and me not being in it. I just sat at the back and nodded my head for about a million years. Also, I think the rest of the lads think I'm a bit weird. I don't know why. I've always been the height of sophisticosity around them. Well, apart from when Dom, the drummer, asked me what I was going to do at college and I said backing dancing. Oh, and also when I danced around at a gig in front of Dom's dad because I thought he was an American talent spotter, but he wasn't. He was just Dom's dad waiting to help them pack up and he thought that I was trying to get off with him. But apart from those two minor hiccups, I've been sophisticosity all round, I like to think. Anyway... Here is a brief resume of my glorious night. A. Nodded my head for a million years. B. Sat on a drum kit in the van on the way home. C. 
lost my balance, put my foot through the bass drum. D had to be dropped off first because I had to be in by 10 o'clock on a school night. Double murd. At least when I have to do the boring old panto stuff, I can have a bit of artistic license with Rosie. I wonder how the nature snog went. I suppose Dave the Laugh went with Ellen. I don't think that the Stiff Dillons think I am full of maturiosity. I think they think I am the Yoko Ono of the band and that I will split them up. 